0: it's here the last trading day of 2023 what are you going to remember about 2023 i've got some ideas but more importantly is what do you think will be making memories in 2024 we'll break down some of the key happenings in the last year and it's time for a few predictions on this week's free for all
1: Live from the final first half of AgriTalk for 2023 via Farm Journal Broadcast, this is AgriTalk. Today, it's the Friday free-for-all with panelists Jim Wiesmeyer, Sean Haney, and Michelle Rook. I'm producer Big Apple Joe Stackler, and now the host of AgriTalk, Chip Flori. All
0: right, Big Apple Joe, it's a big day for us. Yeah. It, it is. we We've got our teams in bowl games today.
1: Oh, yeah,
0: yeah. Aren't you excited about the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl? No. Oregon State versus Notre Dame. Come on.
1: No. No. Really? No. No. Sorry, I. No. Huh? I just can't get worked up about that somehow.
0: <laughs> I am fired up for the AutoZone Liberty Bowl. Memphis versus Iowa State. Iowa State's the home game, playing Memphis in Memphis in Memphis's home stadium.
1: Notre Dame did play in the Liberty Bowl 40 years ago. Yeah. And it was, we beat Doug Flutie's Boston College team by like one point. I think it was 19 to 18. But the real story was, it was unbelievably freezing. Now, I wasn't there. I was only about 14 years old. I wasn't going to travel to the Liberty Bowl, but it was freezing. There's still people thawing out from that, I believe.
0: (laughs) We were there in 17. Uh, My family and I went down there in 17, obviously did not make the trip this year, but uh, uh, it's a fun bowl. There's no question about it. Sounds like there is a, a, you know, Memphis is full of Cyclone fans again this year. So looking forward to that game coming up this afternoon. All right, Big Apple. Thanks, buddy. We'll talk to you later. Okay. Welcome to AgriTalk, everyone. I'm your host, Chip Flory. Glad that you are with us. Let's go straight to Michelle Rook. Hey. Good morning, Michelle. Hey, good morning, Chip. All right. Uh, your your football uh, season is, is over and done, right?
2: Oh, no. South no? Dakota State University is in the FCS National Championship game on January 7th in Frisco, Texas. Oh,
0: my gosh.
2: That's right. We, yep, we play Montana. We oh, are... The national champion from last year, so we're going back to defend our title, you bet.
0: Yep, yeah, man, still got some football to watch all the way to January 7th for the SDSU uh, championship game against Montana. All right, Uh, Michelle's going to be sticking around for the free-for-all, jumping in with some tidbits here and there. Uh, But first, let's go ahead and get to the news. What do you got?
2: Well, weekly exports obviously pushed off a day because of the holiday, but for the week ending December 21st, USDA reporting that corn export sales 48.9 million bushels or 1.242 million metric tons for the 2023-24 marketing year. That's up 23% from the previous week, down 12% from the four-week average. Last week's export shipments at 50 and a half million bushels were a marketing year high. Yeah, USC the sales. Reported-
0: Real quick, Michelle, the Go sales ahead. are right in line with trade expectations. But that export number—that's what we've been looking for. Let's right. get that export number up over a million tons each and every week because we've got a—it's a big uh, a tally of outstanding sales, sales that have been made but not shipped. We need to get the corn out of the country.
2: Yeah, I was surprised we were at a marketing year high considering some of the railroad issues that we had last week, too. USDA reporting net soybean sales, 36.2 million bushels. That's 983,900 metric tons for this marketing year. That's down 51% from the previous week and 47% from the four-week average, so a little slower week. Mm And USDA reported net export sales of wheat at 10.2 million bushels or 276,400 metric tons. That's down 14% from the previous week, 60% from the four week average. And over in the meats, USDA reported net beef export sales, 2,100 metric tons for 2023. That is down 78% from the previous week, 68% from the four-week average. Net sales for 24, though, 11,600 metric tons. So we're in that transition period now. And USDA also reporting pork export sales, 23,800 metric tons for 2023, down 23% from last week, but 10%. Uh, from the four week average and yeah. sales for 2024 at 24,000 metric tons. Yeah. The last
0: uh, two weeks now on pork sales for both 23 and 24 have been outstanding. So we're very, moving some Very pork. good. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And I don't know if the lower dollar has something to do with that or I'm not. Sure we'll it's see. got to. Yeah. 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 Well, Russia unleashed one of its biggest missile attacks in the war so far today, killing several people, taking place all over the country. Now, approximately 158 missiles and drones were fired, though Ukrainian officials note most of the missiles were shot down. The main targets were infrastructure, including export infrastructure in the Black Seaport city of Odessa. Russia raised its wheat export tax for January 11th through the 16th by 46.16 per metric ton from last week. That's the first hmm. increase in a month. Um, Israeli minister without portfolio Benny Gantz warns that time is running out for a diplomatic solution on Israel's northern border. He says if nothing is done soon, the Israeli defense forces will move remove Hezbollah from the Lebanese border. Cross-border attacks have been ongoing since October 8th. Yeah, what are Middle the East- odds
0: that they're going to leave willingly? That Hezbollah uh-huh. is going to leave? the yeah, that's not going to happen. No. So this is no. They're signaling that there's going to be an in an intensification of the fighting in in uh, Gaza.
2: Yeah, their patience is running out for yep. sure. Yep. Yeah, Middle East terrorist attacks in the Red Sea have led to over 350 container ships and various other vessels diverting to alternative routes since late November, the U.S. military's Operation Sea Guardian has been unable to provide immediate solutions and it remains uncertain which ships can expect escort given the complex nature of vessel ownership and operation. Now the Red Sea route comes with a war risk premium while the Cape of Good Hope route incurs up to a million dollars in extra fuel costs and surcharges imposed by shipping lines. In December, the Panama Canal Authority reduced the daily limit of vessels passing through the canal there due to drought to 22 ships in December. That's down from the usual 36 vessels. Now, in January, they plan to raise daily transits to 24 with improved water levels and rainfall, but that does remain below normal. Yeah. This reduction has delayed U.S. exports of grains, such as corn and soybeans, during the peak shipping season. Maine joined Colorado on Thursday, disqualifying former President Trump from the state's primary ballot in the March presidential primary election for his role in the January 6th attack on the U.S. Capitol. Now, it is expected the decision will likely be appealed to the state's Superior Court, and Trump's campaign said they would quickly file an objection to the atrocious decision. Mm-hmm. The Biden administration is expected extended as expected extended the suspension of Trump era tariffs on European steel and aluminum aluminum for two more years. This move comes as efforts to find a permanent solution to eliminate these tariffs have not yielded results even after more than two years of negotiations.
0: All right Michelle thank you so much. Hey you bet. stick around. Uh we need your input there on the free for all. It's coming right up. Of course, we've got pro-farmer policy analyst Jim Wiesmeyer, Real Ag, Agriculture, Real Ag Radio's Sean Haney. Michelle will be along. I've got a few things that, uh, believe it or not, I want to throw into the conversation. Some some memories from 2023 and what's going to be making memories in 2024 next.
3: My mom's got a new case IH tractor, and it can do it all. They'll hate all day see in the dark with its powerful led lights hook up all the implements ship like a race car steer with ease and it can also cool my juice box yeah her case ih tractor can do everything she needs it to looking for a tractor that can do it all check out caseih.com
4: go on the offensive against weeds with Antares complete from helena
5: So call us at eight five five
6: four talk ag and tell us what's on your mind.
0: You got the blues, Welcome back I to Agra talking one of my favorite shows the of the year. Blues, it's the yeah. final free-for-all of the year. Taking a look back at the year that was a year, uh, and a look forward to the year that will be. Joining us, we've got Jim Wiesmeyer, Pro Farmer Policy Analyst. Good morning, Jim.
7: Good morning, Chip, and Happy New Year.
0: Yeah, happy New Year to you too, Sean Haney. Real Agriculture, Real Ag Radio. How's it going, Sean?
6: Yep, it's. I'm doing great. It's the. This is one of my favorite shows of the year when, yeah. we, when we get to think about the past uh, twelve months and and kind of yep. our our thoughts on what to look out for the year ahead. It, it, this is always a fun one.
0: Exactly. Exactly. What do you make of the bowl season so far?
6: Oh, you know what? So. You know that I am a massive college football fan. All of Absolutely. the opt-outs have been tough. Yeah. Have been tough. Like, you, you look at the Florida State-Georgia game that's coming up, and mm-hmm. there, there's, like, over 20 players yeah. on each side of the ball that are opting out. It's been yeah. really hard.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it, it makes it a different game. There is no question about it. And uh, uh, luckily, luckily for Iowa State, which plays this afternoon, in the Liberty Bowl, um, we've only got one on defense that decided. Now you know what I'm going to set it out. Now he's our best corner, and uh, it, it's going to make playing defense a little bit more difficult for this team. But for the most part, it, you know we're going to be without him next year anyway. So yeah. let's uh, let's get it figured out now and. What- that's amazing, considering
6: all the portal, like all all the yeah. trans the, the players entering the portal. If they only have one player on defense, that's uh, yeah. that's pretty amazing, to be honest with you. It's
0: fantastic, yeah, fantastic. All right, and Michelle Rock, national reporter for Farm Journal Broadcast, uh, and uh, has been filling in for Davis this week. Thank you so much for doing that, Michelle. You bet. All right, okay. uh, let's jump into it, Jim. Y- yesterday morning in segment four, I did a quick. Review of the Pro Farmer Choices of the Year. Uh, I wanted to get some of the detail out there, but I do want to talk about it again. The story of the year, uh, as selected by Pro Farmer editor Brian Grady. And Brian is going to be on with us next Tuesday afternoon, so we can talk about these a little bit again. But, but uh story of the year in 23 was a resurgence in the biofuel industry. Um, lots of good reasons for it, too
7: yes and we should see a continuation of that in 2024 chip yeah i don't i don't think there was any other choice other than you know that one because it was policy driven market driven and future driven and i think those are three reasons why
0: yeah yeah and it just has an influence on so much other uh so many other decisions so many other happenings in the industry around us that the the biofuels thing is uh I it was a huge story in 2023 wasn't it Amy
6: yeah and I think if you, if you look at the the struggles that the EV market is having out there and uh, Jim had provided in his update earlier this week it provided a, a graph of how long EVs are staying on the lot versus regular gas powered vehicles yeah. are staying on the lot. I think we're coming to reality here that biofuels are really a great part of the of a transition period, however long that transition period is. And and if you look back on this past year and even into the prior year, the amount of money that is being put into the building of infrastructure around biofuels and the excitement about SAF, the the excitement about renewable diesel, it is really a big deal. And uh, chances are we're going to be sitting here a year from now and talking about uh, the same thing.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's go back a year. And do you remember, was there anybody that made the prediction that biofuels and ethanol in particular was going to have a comeback year? <laughs> that that sound of me chuckling might be me patting myself on the back. Because that was my prediction for story of the year a year ago.
6: Oh, Fl- Flory, you, you're like... Pro biofuel every day of the week. Come on, like it, but, like that's going to surprise any of us. But
0: but it's not like I, every year I'm making the prediction that that's going to be the story of the year. And I just felt so good when I saw it on Pro Farmer's back page. I'm like, there we go, finally, <laughs> I got one. I'm going to mention
7: nice. it. <laughs> I can't remember yesterday, let alone a year ago.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness the the renewable diesel component of it is also very important. And, Michelle, up in your part of the world, up in the Northwest Corn Belt, we'll call it, uh, the expansion of the crush facilities up there being driven by refiner money and the push for feedstock for renewable diesel, it's changing markets up there. But the year ahead is going to change the markets in your part of the world.
2: Oh, yeah. Especially North Dakota, three new plants will be online in the next, what? I think one, Spiritwood is already online, but we'll have the one up by Grand Forks. And um, so there's going to be, you know, a lot of change there. Uh, Castleton is the other plant. And then Mitchell, South Dakota is supposed to have their plant up and going by 2025. And then Nebraska has uh, several facilities there as well. But we're watching the one in um, David City, the AGP plant. That's going to be the big one.
6: Yeah. yeah and chip, because canola is a preferable feedstock for renewable diesel in comparison to soybeans, yeah. there's a great opportunity here for you know some of these plants to either pull Canadian canola down south or even probably more so beneficial to those northern tier states like like montana and and North Dakota, for example, is to, if if we can get adequate moisture and some confidence in that adequate moisture, we could really see the expansion of the canola acre yeah, uh, north you know basically Nebraska north, I, I would mm-hmm. say.
0: Mm hmm. That's we we've talked for, Jim, you and I. It, this goes all the way back to the 90s. You and I talking about the need for a third viable crop in parts of the corn belt to to add competition for acres um, has something that we've been missing. is something that we've been missing for decades. Um, yes. It, the 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 specialty oil seeds, I don't know what else to call it at this point, but those oil seeds in the Northwest is going to be that third viable crop.
7: Yes, and, and from a farmer-friendly aspect, it's tightening basis, Chip, and that's always yeah. good.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Okay, the event of the year, the La Nina to El Nino transition. I thought that was a very insightful pick by Brian Grady. Didn't you think so, Jim?
7: Yeah usually weather is near at or near yeah. the top of any event and and uh, and then uh, as he said we could be see a flip of it uh, for 2024
0: right it could flip back just that fast and create some issues in the in the corn belt in the year ahead there's no question that it's going to be a big story this year whether yeah. or not um um uh, el nino hangs on and how long it hangs on into the growing season is going to tell us so much about what what our crop is going to be. So we'll we'll talk more about that here coming up in just a little bit. And then the Persons of the Year, the Supreme Court of the United States, Jim.
7: Yeah, it, it showed vividly that the Supreme Court was telling Congress, do your work, especially that was the case with Prop
6: 12, uh, Chip.
0: Yeah, yeah. What did you make of that selection, Haney?
6: Yeah, and it will continue to play out that way as, uh, you know, former President Trump looking to the Supreme Court to make sure that he is on the primary ballot in some of these states. Uh, Colorado has reversed that decision now, uh, but I, I think Maine is another one that has, has stepped up as well as some others. So, yeah, I, 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 C- Congress just needs to do its job, period, on a, a number of topics. I, I think there's a lot of things we could slot into that conversation.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and, and Jim, you're exact. You're both exactly right. That message that we got, I believe it was from Gorsuch, uh, who said it most strongly. That the only reason that we're dealing with this with these issues is because Congress has failed to do their job. Do your job so that we don't have to deal with these issues. Um, and then in response, we got the least productive Congress in the history of the country. <laughs> I mean. What was it? Twenty-seven new bills or twenty-seven bills passed, Jim?
7: 20, around twenty-seven and five <laughs> being the last week they were
0: here, Chip. So that tells
6: you everything you know. Yeah, you know uh, everything you need to know. Is, is and it both that... and both sides blame each other. Like that's yeah. the ridiculous part. And they, instead of looking in the mirror and saying, "Okay, what what?" How, obviously, the other side is you know plays a factor in this. Yeah. But what what do we need to do as you know? this side of the aisle, whatever side that is, to try to do a better job and be more productive because th- yeah. that just seems outrageous. But the yeah. solution is there.
7: The centrist in both parties could come together and have in a couple of areas. They just don't know that they need to do that far more often to get us back into the bipartisanship. Well, well the
6: fear of being primary, though, that's fear, the
0: trouble. Yeah, the, yeah. That's exactly right, Sean. It, you, you show a willingness to work with the other party, and more than likely, your party is going to find some way to primary and probably try to get you out of, out of your seat. Wow. Okay, that's 23. Let's start looking forward to 24. That's next.
4: Time for Markets Now with the experts from Pro Farmer.
0: Let's go ahead and take a look at what's going on in these markets here today. Uh, The wheat market is absolute evidence that we are in a money management market here at the end of the year. No surprise. No surprise there. But with all the headlines coming out of Ukraine that should be positive for the commodity markets because of the potential of a disruption of supplies coming out of the Black Sea region, there's headlines all over the place talking about that. And the wheat market, after posting some gains yesterday, is trading lower today. So the big move to the upside on Tuesday backed off on Wednesday, back up on Thursday, down on Friday into the end of the week, the month, the year. So uh, money management is, is what's really having a big influence on all the markets. Fractionally mixed in the corn market, we've got some pressure on the soy complex. The soybean meal market seems to be leading that the, the 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 growing season is going very well in Argentina. Argentina is is doing what it needs to do to get back in position to be the number one exporter of soybean meal in the year ahead and as a result, I think the meal market is starting to to feel some of that pressure of being pushed to a domestic market at some point in 2024. Over in the cattle trade, just slight gains in live cattle futures, mixed trade in feeder cattle futures. And this lean hog market, doggone it, 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 it looked like it was trying to put in some sort of a, a low in the cash market uh, earlier this week. Not sure if we're going to get that done or not. And as a result, we've got some pressure, not heavy pressure, just some slight pressure on lean hogs at midday.
6: Opinions expressed on Agritalk do not necessarily reflect the views of Farm Journal Broadcasting, affiliate stations, or sponsors. Our name says it all. Agritalk. What more do you need to know?
0: I think we're going to begin another surge in ethanol production.
1: <laughs>
0: I think we're going to begin another surge in ethanol production. Huh. Was that? I think we're going to begin another huh. surge in ethanol production. That might be from one year ago today. I'll be darned. I think we're going to begin another surge in ethanol production. There it is, guys. Audio proof. <laughs> no reaction. Nice,
6: Nothing. Nice work during the commercial break to put the bit together. That's good.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I just Big assembled Apple words, thank you, buddy.
1: <laughs> I just assembled words like the you know the um, the hostage uh, yeah. uh, <laughs> <laughs> note using magazine uh, letter clippings. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Just assembled it. Love it. Welcome back to Agri Talk. I'm Chip Flory. Uh, ethanol is going to be a story in the year ahead. Jim, do you have some breaking news for us?
7: Well, uh, we just got a, a word that uh, Cargill named their next chair of you know board of directors. It'll be Brian Sykes. Uh, he'll succeed David uh, <clears throat> McLennan who's retiring at the end of this year. Chip,
0: gotcha. Brian Sykes, okay, new chair of Cargill. Um, let Let's think about the year ahead, and I'm. I'll throw the first one out that I think is in the the lead spot for what will be the story of the year. And it was a contestant for 2023 as well. But it, Fed decisions, Fed decisions and and the direction of interest rates in 2024. Uh, the, the market, I think, has gotten way, 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 way too optimistic about. Uh, interest rate cuts in 2024. There's going to have to be some scaling back on that. And the management of the monetary policy coming out of the Fed, I think is going to be a huge story with huge impacts on equities and big impacts on commodities in the year ahead. What do you think, Haney?
6: I 100% agree. I I think that this notion like that there could be Four, five, six cuts. It, yeah. That just seems really aggressive to me at this point. Um, you know, I'd be more in like the two to three. I, I think the over/under would be like two and a half. Honestly, um, I, I think you know, just as we got, through, we've just shown a lot of resilience to get through this inflationary period. The last thing the Fed is going to want to do is get too aggressive on this side of it. And spark uh, another period of uh, of inflationary pressure, right? right? Uh, I think what's amazing, though, Chip, is I saw, it, um, it, I, I read that year over year housing prices in the U.S. up four point nine percent. That yeah. to me just shows the strengths. Yep. of of the US economy with the interest rates going up through the entire year for the most part and right. still to have increases in housing prices it just yep. maybe shows how short the supply is of houses on the market it,
0: and, and nobody's willing to give up the interest rate that they've got locked in on their mortgage on their existing mortgage.
6: Yep, so absolutely.
0: They're not swapping houses and moving around um like like has been the norm so people are staying put right now. The supply of houses on the market are very yeah, it's it's tight. Uh you look at the new home sales, it's really very good just simply because there's not a lot of existing home sales or existing homes on the market. So it's yeah, crazy. Yeah, but I
6: did he- I did hear yesterday on, on Bloomberg Radio that the the banks are being very tight. On lending money to home builders right now, mm-hmm. so it, it's it, you know just like in agriculture we deal with that kind of pressure where you know banks are like hey we got to clean up our our loan book here and you know we need yep. to get rid of some of these uh, you know clear some people out and and that can be very difficult for for farmers and ranchers. The same thing has happened to some of the the home builders at home this builders. point in time.
0: Yeah, yep, yeah. It's a it's a competitive uh, environment out there among those home builders right now. What do you think of this conversation, Jim?
7: Well, I think the market's going to be right for the wrong reasons on the interest rate cuts. Uh, now it looks like the market is saying we won't have a recession, and we probably will. So I think they're going to have to deal, you know, with the recession. That means more interest rate cuts.
6: Okay. So Jimmy, you're, so you, oh, so like we're if I said the line was two and a half, are you taking the over or the under on two and a half? What on inflation cuts.
7: Oh, cuts? cuts? Oh, I think more. Yeah, more.
6: Wow. I think the economy's
7: going to be weak.
0: Okay. Well, that would make sense to me because you do not cut interest rates, or I should say the Fed should not cut interest rates, as a reward for getting the rate of inflation down to a level that is acceptable. You reserve cutting interest rates for a period of time in which the economy needs stimulus. Yes. And if if Jim, if you're if you are right and the economy does need stimulus in the year ahead, then, OK, maybe you can get over those those two cuts. And what I think what you're really talking about here, Jim, is the resiliency of the consumers and, and the affordability issue that we've been talking about on Agritalk for three or four months, or four months at least um, it. it yeah, the inflation rate, the rate of inflation is down. It still means prices are going up. And the affordability, because of three years compounding that inflation, it, the affordability stinks.
6: Yeah. And if and if affordability leads the narrative in 24, that is not good for nope. Biden being reelected whatsoever. That That's like you're – if you're on that side of the aisle, that's the last thing that you are yep. – are, are, are cheering for. Uh, And, and also if we, if Jim is correct, this is, you know, my mind jumps to the proteins, the, the, the domestic consumption uh, and specifically red uh, beef that that's the one we need to watch because if, if that's, if Jim is right, that's the one that's impacted.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Um, We talked about this a little bit in the last segment, but El Nino to La Nina transition, a reverse of what happened in 2023 could hurt the Western corn belt for the second half of the season. Even knowing that and knowing that that's a possibility, guys, I'm anticipating a record corn yield until proven otherwise. Right?
6: Why don't lose a crop in December?
0: No, I, well, I know it. It's still in the bag. It's still in the bag, but with, with the genetics and the, and the management and the crop protection and everything that that has been improving for this long for the for for the corn crop to take a punch like it did in 2023 and perform as well as it did you give it a good half of a growing season and you, you got I gotta believe that we're, we're headed to a record corn yield it may not be trend line we may fall short of trend line at 181 but it's still i think we're setting up for what should be a record corn yield year i'm going to i i would 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 talk about marketing with the idea that it's going to be a record corn yield until proven otherwise agree jim
7: uh yeah well yeah i'll never i'll, I'll never go against uh, corn yield potential <laughs> at yep. all what do you see for acreage between corn and beans
0: down a couple million on corn revenue for corn is still way 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 too good uh it's going to prevent that big landslide of acres from corn to soybeans now that can still change some but not a lot think about how good this fall has been they're making preps for spring for for spring and have made prep for spring already and ammonia, ammonia applications yeah
7: ammonia applications etc would signal a uh, corn uh chip. To,
0: yeah, know, to me. Yeah, so maybe down a couple million, but but I I wouldn't expect that four million. It, it's possible. It's possible, but but I haven't seen any evidence to to uh, suggest that it's going to happen. Uh but, yep, guys, yep, yep. go yep. ahead. Haynie.
6: Yesterday I drove, you know, outside of the corn belt. Yesterday I drove from Sweetgrass, Montana, the the border to Great Falls. Yep. There's a lot of winter wheat in that area. In Montana, and I'll tell you, there is not a lick of snow to speak of. There, there is not even like an ounce of snow in the ditch on the shaded yeah. side. Like I'll, I'll tell you, there needs to be a real reversal in the weather pattern in in that part of the U.S.
0: Yeah, yeah, and it it leaves us concerned about even the Central Plains and the Southern Plains because of well, right now it's kind of a flip flopping weather model. And predictions of of, of, of a mass of cold air coming into the central and southern plains following Jan seven, but it, that model is still all over the place right now. I don't know where we're heading on on temperatures uh, after that time period. Um, cycle high in cattle prices in two thousand twenty three. Can we get back up and test those highs? What do you think, Haney?
6: <laughs> well, we we. We're going to be cheering for that, uh, given some of the, 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 the placement numbers. Uh, you know, I, I think the big driver here is we already mentioned the domestic consumption. We need the trade, the export side of the market to be exceptionally strong, especially and this is like a North American thing, but especially into places like Asia, China, Japan, uh, markets, Vietnam, market, markets like that. Um, th- mm-hmm. That is that, those are kind of the indications we really, really need, especially if the U.S. consumer dials back a little bit, if Jim's correct, on kind of a recessionary yeah. period.
0: Yeah, yeah, good point. Michelle, we sure haven't heard much about cow-calf guys holding back heifers, though, have we?
2: no there's not much heifer retention and most of the cattle guys i talk to say that will be the first indication that the herd is starting to expand and we just have not seen it yet right but weather will play into that expansion as well and so we'll be watching that really closely in cattle country too yep
0: yep yeah we can't forget how many cows and i made this point the other day with scott brown we can't forget how many cows are east of the mississippi river they're in herds 30 40 and 50 instead of 300 400 and 500 but there's a lot of cows over there and if they all of a sudden start eh, saving back three four five heifers then it starts to have a big impact in replacing some of those cows so a lot going on there okay we've got more predictions coming your way and jim and i need to do a little remembrance
6: We've got pearls of wisdom on agritalk. Welcome back
0: to agritalk and the free for all. We've got Michelle Rook, national reporter for Farm Journal broadcast, Jim Leesmeyer, pro farmer policy analyst, Sean Haney, real agriculture, real ag radio on the free for all today. Um, uh, you know, Jim, I think I want to start here, and, and it's some sad news to a lot of people that, uh, uh, have been affiliated with Pro Farmer for a long time. We got this news on uh, the 26th. Uh, they, it, actually, it was before Christmas. Excuse me. Uh, but Jerry Carlson passed away on December 23rd, 2023. Uh, Jerry was a co-founder of Pro Farmer, of Professional Farmers of America. He started Landowner Newsletter. He has been. He was renewable farming before they even had an idea of what renewable farming was, Jim.
7: Yeah, yeah. He was always ahead of his of ahead of not his time, yes. his himself, but others. Uh, whether it was in the way he wanted to publish a newsletter, the yeah. typesetting ability that he had, he was always ahead of the curve.
0: Yeah, very futuristic in his thinking, and and if you knew him in his personal life you would th- that was so counterintuitive to think of of Jerry being a futurist in the business world and he was he he really was uh, think about instant update he was right there at the beginning of instant update i remember in 1983 walking into a pro farmer members house so i was a, a freshman it, at Iowa State University in the fall of 1983, and they showed me this dial-up computer gadget, where they were dialing in and downloading information from a computer, uh, and it, it was it was Pro Farmer's Instant Update. That Jerry Carlson was was uh, kind of the the brain works behind. What was going on there? I mean, it was internet before th- there was internet, Jim.
7: Oh, absolutely. He was always an aggregator before that became a term, Chip. Uh, yeah. he, he 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 always saw clearly complex issues, and just he was uh, fantastic to work with. A pillar, a pillar yeah. in our in 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 our industry, and just a, such a fluid, beautiful writer.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely, he was a great mentor, a great friend, and maybe the largest compliment that I can pay him, Jim, is he may have been the most curious person I've ever met in my life. Yeah, very if
7: Jeffersonian.
0: You, oh man, you start a conversation with him, his eyes would light up. He, this is something that I've never talked about before, Chip. Let's, you know, let's dig into this. It, it was just, oh so refreshing to work with a guy like that everybody needs a jerry carlson yes. everybody needs to 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 have a jerry carlson with them at some point in their life and uh jim you and i were very lucky to have him with us for for several years uh jerry retired back in 2001 didn't mean that we were done with J- with jerry uh we we stayed in contact and and had a lot of fun with with jerry over the years but uh um Yeah, sad. Sad that uh, Jerry is no longer with us. Uh, Rest in peace, Jerry Carlson. Okay, Uh, we kind of got to go rapid fire here on some of these final issues. Trump is back on the ballot in Colorado, but now he's off the ballot in Maine, Jim. Election 2024. Have you ever been less certain about an election at this point than you are right now?
7: Never. 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 I think we we could go well into the year, Chip, before we even know the uh, the candidates, maybe, and two, the decision. It, you know, I wouldn't be brave until it's November for making a yeah. prediction on the presidency. And are the, are the House is going to be squeaky tight. Uh, oh, gosh, June, mm-hmm. I want to say uh, so. Uh, you know, I I don't even know if Biden's going to survive on, the, on as the candidate on the Democratic Party. His numbers keep going down, not up.
0: Yeah.
6: Well, and Nikki Haley had a had a rough week. You know, yeah. she's she has been almost perfect until this week. Um. You know, I, and I I guess what's been interesting about that whole kerfuffle, or you know, just being caught in the moment of not using a you know she did she didn't mention the word slavery uh, right. is. The the fact that it's it's the it's the never Trumpers on the Republican side that have made the biggest deal about the mess up, and it, it's almost like yeah. we're going back in time and holding people to a to a standard of whether or not they're presidential or not. I, I think people have been very hard on her this week uh, regarding that. She clarified the next day. Uh, I I think um, the news cycle's a little bit slow, to be honest yeah. with you. Well,
0: and. I I did not like what I was hearing last night. There seems to be some adding on to the story, you know, like they identified that person that asked the question as a Democrat plant uh, in, in the audience. And that's part of the reason that she didn't want to answer the question. It just, yeah, you're right. Haney. It was a rough, rough week for, um, for Haley. Yeah. Um, Jim, had a conversation with Senator Roger Marshall from Kansas yesterday. He does not expect a farm bill in 2024. He says that uh, they can get a better bill with a Republican majority in the Senate after the 24 elections.
7: Yeah, but you'll still need, even if the Republicans uh, uh, regain control of the Senate, you still need 60 votes on sensitive bills, Chip. So you
6: still need bipartisanship. Yeah. And it's not about just a Republican majority it's how big of a majority because yes. th- Boy, th- we that's been that exactly 100 percent.
0: yeah yeah you know, Jim <laughs> credit goes to you on this one because at the start of the year you were taught you talked probably three or four free-for-alls in a row about the impact of the slim majority of the Republicans in the House. And how it would slow things down in the year ahead. Well, slow things down. Twenty-seven bills passed. It, yeah. it just it, it the dysfunction of the of Congress is is uh, deserves to be at least on the honorable mention list uh, for for story of the year. And by the way, on the honorable mention list for person of the year at Pro Farmer was Paul Nefer, Farm CPA. He's such a go-to for so many farmers trying to figure out what's going on with tax laws. Happy New Year, guys. Thank you so much.
6: Yep. Happy New Year, everybody. Happy New Year.
0: All right. Jim Wiesmeyer, Sean Haney, Michelle Ruck, come back this afternoon. We've got Jim Emter from Van On here on Agritalk.